You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Oh, presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Welcome to the show on this chilly Monday. And I think tomorrow it's going to get an even colder. However, it's going to warm up towards the weekend. Perfect for the Birmingham Bowl. That's 11 o'clock on Saturday. And they won't have a new coach then, but apparently, you just heard it on the Fox News update, that Troy has a new football coach. Of course, John Sumrall uh, left to go to Tulane. Gerard Parker, the Notre Dame offensive coordinator. So we'll have two former Fighting Irish coordinators in the state of Alabama. Tommy Reese, of course, being in Alabama, but I don't know much about this guy. In fact, I just heard his name for the first time. So we'll see how that works out. And please, get your tickets now. Go to the Birmingham Bowl website and pick up your tickets. They start as low as $30. Okay, a rather long lead, but Lars, how are you? How was your weekend? Weekend was absolutely terrific. Um, Let me paint this scene for you of of my Saturday. The, The Bengals are playing the Vikings on the television. Got the fireplace going. Got the Christmas tree up. Uh, my girls are helping me uh, decorate the tree, putting the ornaments on the tree. The cookies are in the oven uh, that the girls and I had made. Lincoln is playing with uh, his his football cards, and uh, and the Bengals make this remarkable comeback. And it was just like I froze the moment because I tried to because it was so special. It was just one of those uh, just great afternoons um and uh it's just you know being able to spend that time with my kids and my kids are huge Bengals fans because their dad is and uh man jake browning incredible so the nfl matt has been tracking qb starts since the 1950 season over that time just one quarterback has a thousand yards passing and completed over 75% of his passing in his first four starts. His name is Jake Browning. Incredible. It's an incredible story. Yeah, it is a story. But as long as we're going to just knock, check out all the boxes here, how did uh, how did Nebraska do yesterday? <laughs> I knew that was coming. Okay, so, yeah, Nebraska got... Make it uh, brief, please. Nebraska got beat uh, 3-0 in the national championship by Texas. But you know what? They actually won because this wasn't about a match. This is about a movement. It's about a way of life, a way of thinking. And Nebraska volleyball will be back. Uh, They were a very young team, uh, basically all freshmen and sophomores. And uh, they just ran up against a juggernaut, a team that was really, really hot. Um, and uh, Jermaine O'Neal's uh, daughter, man, she's an incredible player uh, for Texas. But, uh, yep, Nebraska got, got beat handily by the Longhorns. Uh, now it'll just be up to uh, Alabama to take it to Texas in the national championship game if those two end up meeting. Well, it was a great run, record-setting run, so... Here's to Nebraska next year. I did not see Texas beating them, but that may just show you how little I know about college volleyball. So, moving along. All right. 
I'm going to start the show on something you probably haven't seen, which I normally hesitate to do because it's not fair to your partner. But this one can go any level, and you can take phone calls to the end of the show at 205-342-9904. Did you know, Lars, none of this I knew until 15 minutes ago, that there is a mascot Hall of Fame? I did not. Guess who's a member? I mean, they, they just announced it today, and I'm trying to find the article. Uh, Big Al? Keep, keep, keep it close. Keep it close to you. Herbie Husker? Little Red. Little Red, yeah. Little yeah. Red. Uh, and <laughs> I'll get the complete list, but others include the Nittany Lion, uh, Bucky the Badger, that funny-looking Buckeye, Aubby, and what do they call the one at Western Kentucky? The Blob? <laughs> you know, so the Big Al didn't make the out. cut? No, but Aubby did. And you know what? Alabama fans aren't going to like me saying this, but Aubby has been a more dominant mascot over the course of Auburn football. Al, by mascot standards, at least as far as my memory serves me, is relatively new. I don't believe there was a big Al when I was in school. Of course, that was dang near 50 years ago. But I think Al, in his form right now, is fantastic. And he's headed for the Hall of Fame. But if my old man memory serves <laughs> me day. correctly, yeah. Al um, has been a, around and he's been named mascot of the year several times. And Big Al may have too. But so yeah, if you found uh, the article, I can hear you. Uh, well, your no, I'm just away. I, I just saw that uh, Big Al was officially first worn in 1980. Uh, as you know, the elephant became UA's unofficial mascot in the 30s, right? And uh, I know there's a story behind that. It was a, a writer who uh, in a newspaper story, and I'm sure you know this better than me, uh, wrote that uh, Alabama's offense, you know, came at them like a herd of thundering elephants or something to that effect. I, yeah. I can look it up, but um, yeah, so the university then- somebody like Grantland Rice. Yeah. Uh, or a uh, Zip a good, Newman or somebody like that. I don't know, but- um, yeah, I would say among kids that Aubby has a more profound impact than Big Al, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I would base a lot of that on Aubby's longevity. Yeah. Then again, I really don't know when Aubby started at Auburn. Uh, Man, they yeah, got I, their own website. And by the way, they also are inducting, I think, 10 from college athletics and then 20 from pro when i think of pro sports my mind doesn't immediately run to mascots when it does i would think the leader right now is the philly fanatic i would also think that the first one in forever should be the san diego chicken but i just don't think about pro sports with the mascot i'm not even sure every team has one but um, I don't want to focus on the pro. I, mean, I wanted to focus on the college. What, I remember who, one who time. comes to when, mind with you? Well, in, uh, gosh, this must have been back in 80, 
84, 85, somewhere in there, Nebraska went to play Colorado at Folsom Field, and they had uh, Ralphie, right, the Buffalo, and Ralphie nearly ran over Tom Osborne before the game. I mean, it was incredible. Like, Ralphie... Ralphie, uh, there's like five, six guys there trying to control Ralphie, but Ralphie's going to do what Ralphie wants to do. (laughs) Yeah, I would let him. And and the thing is, you know, Nebraska's wearing red. I don't know if 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 a buffalo is like a bull and you go after the red, but uh, he went right after Osborne because Osborne was in a red jacket. Nebraska players were in white jerseys. (laughs) <laughs> I I don't know I don't know uh, but th- that incident and the uh, the boomer sooner schooner is that what they call it the boomer yeah I love that thing the little yeah wagon. I mean yeah that's uh, that's 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 tipped over a couple times yeah it got um, a penalty in the orange bowl for getting yeah that's right too early. that's right that's right and okay so the Alabama the elephant story goes back to. October 1930 when um, Everett Struper uh, in the Atlanta Journal wrote a story about Alabama-Mississippi game uh, and he said that uh, coached by Wallace Wade, Alabama was who said, quote, that Alabama team of 1930 is a typical Wade machine. Powerful, big, tough, fast, aggressive, well-schooled in fundamentals and the best blocking team for this early in the season that I have ever seen. When those big brutes hit you, I mean, you go down and stay down, often for an additional two minutes. And then he goes on and on and on. And he said, uh, um, he said at the end of uh, the, uh, what quarter is this? At the end of the first quarter, the earth started to tremble. There was a distant rumble that continued to grow. Some excited fan in the stands bellowed, hold your horses. The elephants are coming and out stamped this Alabama varsity. That is a very good story. And so, yeah, so that was typical of the sports writing at the time. Uh, over the top, hyperbolic, but, you know. Um, I kind of like it. Yeah, you know? I mean, that, that, and that's, that, that's how Grantland Rice wrote, yeah. too. Um, but that, that's yeah. just how it was at the time because it, you, uh, uh, there was a, just a lot of sort of glorification and, and yeah, just this over. Lots of adjectives. Over the top rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just to round it out and give you the final three, the Delaware Blue Hen is now a mascot Hall of Famer. Smokey, that little furry animal, stuffed animal-looking thing from Tennessee. I like Smokey. And then um, I've always liked this one, too. Do you like the little orange thing for Syracuse? Uh, What is that? Is this an orange blob, orange ball? Yeah. I think it's supposed to be orange, like maybe kind of like the fruit, but it's especially supposed to be like an orange man. So, I guess. Yeah, okay. So, why did they change that? It used to be the Syracuse Orange Men, and now it's just the Syracuse Orange. I forget. Uh, it was a big. Same reason, the same reason that they changed the Redskins. Somebody got hurt. Oh, yeah. I would think that. That would be my guess. Yeah. All right. Let's find out what's going on in the world of Steve Irvine with MagicCityImpact.com. 
We'll talk some about UAB, but uh, certainly we will uh, talk a lot about all sports. As Steve Irvine joins us on Big Noon Sports. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Hey, Tide 100. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A breezy afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 55. Turning colder tonight. Clear with the low at 26. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 48. For Wednesday, the high 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, Advantage Realty Group. Uh, joining us here on Big Noon Sports is a head coach of the 1-0 bowl game participant, Jacksonville State Gamecocks. That's Rich Rodriguez. Rich, it's Matt Coulter. And, of course, you know Lars from, I guess, many, many years back. I yeah. imagine your weekend was pretty good. Yes, it was. It at times it didn't look good, but uh, it ended up great. We wind up staying an extra night down in New Orleans and and uh, proud proud of our players. And we had a great turnout uh, for the fans coming down there and made a little bit of history. So it was all good. Coach, uh, just tell us the story of Garrison Ripa. I mean, this is you, you can't make this up. Uh, can you just give us a, a little bit of background? And what you were thinking heading into the game as, as Garrison um, was <laughs> your first string kicker suddenly who had never attempted, oh, a kick in college football. Yeah, you know, our, our, our starter went in the portal. And so, you know, our policy, once the guy goes in the portal, he doesn't, he doesn't play for us. So, you know, uh, Garrison was going to be the starting kicker. And he, he kicked well all year in practice. And had a pretty strong leg and been, been pretty consistent, but it is different, you know, especially if you're going to kick a game winner in your first ever bowl game. And, you know, he was, I, I saw later that he was doing some breathing exercises and things to calm himself down, which is great. But, and he said he wasn't nervous, but I was nervous as hell. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't because of not believing in him, just because the whole situation is like, gosh, this is this, we got to get the snap to hold. It's the game winner. It's the first bowl game, blah, blah, blah. And, he handled it well, and it was just a great story that thankfully will be a memory that he can have the rest of his life. You know, Rich, this story of this game, is it's like your season win. I mean, you won a lot of games. Going back to Sam Houston, you won games late, and you came from behind, I think, almost every game. 
We did. We one part of I believe that our guys. We always talk about playing the next play. Just keep playing all the time, and that you know, don't look up the scoreboard until the end, whether you're winning or losing. And we did. We won several close games. We lost two close games too, but. Our guys always believed, and, and uh, we talk about playing with a hard edge. We talk about our tempo and how hard we play all the time that that hopefully by the end of the fourth quarter we'll be the fresher team, and it worked out that way a lot. you got to have some good fortune, too, which we did, but I also think you have to have a bunch of players that believe in themselves and a bunch of coaches that believe in, in what we're doing, and, and that all combined to have a pretty good year. Coach, you've been in uh, so many big games throughout your career. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a sideline as excited in the celebration as uh, as, as as you in, in Jacksonville State. And then uh, just tell us tell us about that, and also uh, what it was like just in in New Orleans that night. Yeah, it was. You know, our our guys had really had really good. It was a quick two weeks of bowl preparation, but. Uh, really felt good. We had good practices. The guys were obviously excited to go to first ever bowl game. Uh, they had a good week of experience. And they were, you know, we practiced hard. Uh, they went out a little bit, but they didn't overdo it. And, you know, I could tell they were really focused uh, going to the stadium. We had a nice crowd, nice turnout. Obviously, it's an iconic venue, a great, great place to play. Uh, but we weren't playing well at times. I mean, we gave them, basically gave them 21 points. Uh, but there was no panic when we did that. The guys kept playing hard. But it didn't look good. But there was no, you know, everybody, even on the last interception, we gave them the, gave them the lead. There wasn't any panic. We just had to get, you know, execute a little bit better. And I felt really good about overtime because, one, our defense was playing well all day. And their offense, you know, had finally gotten a little bit of rhythm. And, and uh, But you got to make some plays, and we did at the end. You had a – you used two quarterbacks. And believe it or not, Coach, Lars and I have been following Logan Smothers almost since he was in Muscle Shoals. Uh, but he first went to Nebraska, got some playing time. So for Lars and, and Mai's benefit, would you tell us a little bit more about him and how the two-quarterback system worked for you? Because you also – Webb got a lot of playing time too. Yeah, we really don't uh, – I've always been comfortable playing multiple quarterbacks, but I don't really call it a system as a two-quarterback system much as this. we just – if we, we feel if you're good enough to win with your play. Now, the quarterback's the hardest position to do that because you only play one at a time. But, you know, the way a state would have it throughout the season, Zion got hurt at times, so Logan came in, then Logan got hurt, and Zion went back in, or somebody else came back in. And so the way we run our practices – our ones and twos get equal amount of reps, so it's not like they're jumping in there without having any kind of practice repetition. But uh, Logan did a great job. You know, he's always ready. You know, he's, it's his first year in the system, but he's a smart guy, a great competitor, and can run. And then he got banged up again, and then Zion was good enough to go back in. You know, we didn't always play perfectly. Uh, there's there's the times that, you know, that we struggled a little bit, but they were always competing. They were always were aware of what's going on, and and uh, we're tickled to death to have Logan. He did that several games this year, coming off the bench and, and even having a couple starts that, that uh, I guess, a pretty good competition. So we're excited about his future. Really grateful for Zion Webb and what he's done to the program the last couple of years. And and then we'll keep competing at that position. I want to have three or four quarterbacks ready to play next year. 
Coach, what was it like when you found out that you were, sorry, my dog's going crazy in the background. He's very excited about this interview. Um, what was it like when you actually found out that you were going to be el eligible to play in a bowl game and that you were going to play in a bowl, in a bowl game? Yeah, once we got the sixth win, uh, you know, from a winning standpoint, okay, now you're bowl eligible, but then you got to ho hope for people to lose, right? You got to make sure that there's not enough other bowl eligible teams to be able to slide in. The numbers we looked at, the games we looked at, I didn't look at every week, but I had a staff member tracking it. And he's like, every week, he's like, Coach, looks pretty good, looks pretty good, looks pretty good. And then at the end, even though it looked pretty good, uh, things weren't falling our way along there. I guess that Saturday, some teams were, were losing that we needed to win and vice versa. So we didn't really know until the plane ride coming back after the New Mexico State game that we actually were able to slide in there and we had lost that game, so it wasn't a bad move, but that cheered up the flight a little bit. And because I wanted our guys, they earned it. They earned the opportunity to play in our first ever bowl game. And, and no matter where it was, they were going to be excited. We had to wait to find out for a week, but uh, they had earned that. And, you know, most of them had come here uh, go, to play for a 1AA school, an FCS school. They never thought they'd actually be in a bowl game. And so this was kind of the capper to a pretty good season. Who do you appeal to, or is it just a matter of being a selection? Now you're eligible, they'll put you in, because, you know, it was borderline there for a little while. You certainly deserve to be in a bowl. But can you petition them, or do they just suddenly decide Jacksonville State University is eligible? Well, JMU was trying to petition to take the, that, the, the waiting process out of it, and we were just going to kind of ride along with them. But once you become, uh, once there becomes not enough teams, that are already in there that can't go, then if you are eligible, like JMU and us were, then then the conferences and the and the ESPN and the bowl partners all get together and say, okay, you know, where's the bowl tie-ins for the conference? Uh, here's the teams that the conference has that are bowl eligible. So now we became part of that Conference USA bowl eligible pool. And, you know, this was one of the preferred bowls for us because – I've always thought that if you weren't going to be in a January 1 bowl game, the earlier ones are great because the kids can play in the game and then be home for Christmas. And we got the earliest date you could have against a good opponent in a great venue, and uh, it just worked out perfectly. Coach, um, can you tell us what the process is like with the transfer portal? Um, you know, a, a, a player like Robbie Ashford at Auburn, I, I'm not saying you have any interest in him or, or anything. I'm just using Robbie's name as an example. Once a player is in the, uh, the portal, can you reach out to that player or does that player have to reach out to you? No, once he goes to the portal, it's it's like open recruiting. And yeah, I know I've known Robbie from recruiting him before. And there's a, you know, a lot of really good players that go in. It's kind of crazy. Uh, some guys go in uh, just to try to get a uh, you know a better opportunity to play. Uh, some go in because uh, they want to move up a level, and some uh, will go in because they think it's a better system fit for them. There's all kinds of reasons, and you know I think our coaches are going to say, "Geez, it's nuts and it's crazy," and it is. But as I told my coaches, the, the goalposts have moved. We got to move with it, and we're going to look at the portal every day. We get two or three updates every day. Who's in there? If it's somebody that has mutual interest and we think the right fit, and and all that, uh, we're gonna we're gonna recruit them and hopefully they they want to come here. What what I was telling our staff, this is a related thing. It was kind of neat after the game. Our, we don't tell our guys what to text or tweet or whatever, but we had several of our guys uh, tweet, especially some upperclassmen, seniors, say, "Hey, Jack State's the place you want to go. Jack State's the place you want to go if you want to win." And 
we're going to use that in recruiting because there's no better advocate for your program than your own players. And hopefully those guys are in a portal that we want, uh, that want to play a Division I football in a great place, they'll look at Jack State. Do you, uh, I'm, I'm just curious, would you email the player? Would you actually call the player, call the player's parents? Uh, how does that Everything work? Everything and anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're going to get his phone number. We're going to text him. We're going to try to email him. We're trying to call their coaches. you got to check with their coaches where they're at if you know somebody there and kind of get the background, what the, what the deal is. And then, you know, it's, it's a quicker recruiting process than doing the high school guys. That usually takes a little more time. This is like uh, speed dating or something. You know, you're just – you're getting as much – if you don't know them, if you know them from the previous time, that makes it a little easier if you don't. You try and find out as much as you can, uh, you, know, and, you know, from him, his background, his history. But just like he's going to find as much as he can about you and see if it's a good fit, and then you can go with it. And, you know, right, because, you know, some of them, a lot of them in the border are looking to go somewhere in January. Some may not be able to get out until June, but there's a lot that are looking to go somewhere pretty quickly in the next couple of weeks. So we want to be uh, out front of that as well. Rich Rodriguez, Jacksonville State Gamecocks, head football coach with us just literally for another minute. And coach, you know i got to ask, you're so successful at Jacksonville State. You have uh, been successful in college football. Sorry, Greg Seitz is going to get mad at me, but are you hanging around? <laughs> I'm hanging around. It's been, I love it here. I got my, you know, we got to uh, live a mile from campus. Uh, I got my daughter working for me. She does a great job doing all of our social media and, and content and all that stuff. And I'm trying to get my son on my staff. I got a great staff, great people here. And we just had such a great time this weekend in the last couple of years that, you know, I've, I've kind of been there, done that. And, you know, maybe if you have success, I'm losing some coaches. I'm going to lose some coaches probably. They're going to get bigger deals and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I love what I'm doing where I'm doing it at. Coach, how many uh, texts did you receive after the game? And did you did you hear from our man uh, BA or uh, you know just any other your uh, your your friends in the coaching community? I haven't heard from BA yet. I'm heading out to Arizona, so maybe I'll see him if he's still out there. He's got his place out there. But I think I had 146 or something. So uh, I just got caught up getting those text messages uh, returned. But uh, I'm just so thankful and blessed to be able to be around. Uh, such a great group of men and women in our program and, and a coaching staff that we have. And we had a great time afterwards. You know, with our, I was with my guy, Riley Green, you know, a good friend of ours and, and uh, a great supporter of our program and other guys Saturday night after the game. And we just had a blast. Well, thank Riley you so Green. much. Thank you so much for doing this on short notice, Rich. Really, really, really appreciate Riley it. Riley Green is a true treasure to Jacksonville State University. Let's just toss that out there right now. Go buy his CD. He's the best. They still do that. Absolutely yeah, best. Good man. Congratulations, Coach. We'll do this again sometime in 2024, okay? Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. you thank bet. you, Coach. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, what a cool thing for him to just suddenly. Lars texted him, I guess, last night or yesterday. There he was. That uh, that was a good hit for the old team at Big Noon Sports. Now, Steve Irvine will be back right after this. What did you have to say there, Lars? Uh, I just, uh, what a fun guy Rich Rodriguez is. And, uh, and, and for him to do this on such short notice. Um, and uh, you can just tell how happy he is. I mean, he's, he's in a really good place. And I think he just wants to finish his career at, at Jacksonville State. It certainly sounds like that to me. 
it's a it's a cool cool place and i was a part of them for a couple of years doing play-by-play and jack crow was there and uh jimmy fuller of course tuffy crow but um it's a special special place and maybe later in the show i'll get into that a little bit more in detail right now we gotta yeah what yeah what yeah what yeah Yeah. all right (laughs) steve irvine's coming up next on big Ben sports Champion Troy meets Duke in the 76 Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd at Protective Stadium. Tickets are on sale now starting at just $30. The pregame festivities kick off December 22nd at the Bud Light Fan Fest pep rally at Uptown with live music, team pep rallies, and everything else you need to get in the game day spirit. This season, fill your holidays with good cheer. Get tickets and more information at BirminghamBowl.com. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. And Steve Irvine is our guest from Magic City Impact. And they do a lot of work concerning NIL, collectives, that kind of thing uh, online. And Steve produces many, many of the articles there. So you can dial it in and read pretty much all things UAB. Steve, how are you? I'm doing good. How you guys doing today? Fantastic. A little chilly, but love the sun. We didn't yeah, get much yeah. of that over the weekend. No, Steve, no, I'm, I'm going to start off with a, and I'm going to try and cross over dribble you here, okay? Huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start you off with something you didn't expect. There is a, <laughs> first of all, did you know there was a mascot Hall of Fame? Uh, no, did not. Okay. Neither did us. Neither did we either. But when you think mascot, what are the first four or five in college football, basketball, what are the first four or five that come to mind? Mascots. Um, you're talking about, do they got to be dressed up or can they be live? I mean, I think of the Buffalo at Colorado. Uh, we're taking all comers here. Okay. Uh, hey, that's what I, I mentioned Ralphie. Yep. yep. Yeah, I think of the leprechaun at Notre Dame. Ah, easy. Um, I think of the what is it, Chief Osceola or whatever it is that drives the horse out at Florida State. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, I you know, I guess being where we are, I think of Big Allen Obby. You know, I mean, just because that's just you just sort of to me. I mean, being here, that's sort of a natural, natural thing you think of. Of course, I've got to say, uh, Blaze. Uh, but um, he's funny. Well, I, he's pretty good. He can do it. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's it's uh, he's actually pretty good. Um, that's oh, yeah. I think of the big red blob at uh, at Western Kentucky. They it was uh, inducted. It's going in. Okay, I like it. I like it. I don't know what it is, but I like it. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Anything else? What else should I think of? Those are ones that I just think off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm missing one. I'm sure. There's one that I'm gonna go. Okay, um, obviously Uga uh, would be one. Um, uh, yeah, you know. Um, well, I'm not gonna press on this, but I will ask you one other question. Were uh, you here when UAB first started and they had Beauregard T. Rooster? <laughs> I was. I was around. I, I did. Uh, you know, I was living in Huntsville at the time, and I remember I went to uh, a game early on, a couple games early on when when they started basketball. And so, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know him, I don't know much about 
about him, but I, I do re- I do remember seeing it. I still still can't quite understand why, but uh, yes, I, I do remember seeing that. And then they had the massive failure. Excuse me, UAB. You know I love you, but they had the massive failure with that Vulcan-like thing. They used to walk around like a me- in a metal suit of armor. That only lasted one year, I think. Well, hey, at least it only lasted one year. You know, sometimes you, you sometimes it seems like a good idea on paper, and uh, okay. then you see. It's the time of year we we get a slow day every now and then. So Matt decided he would pull that one out. But uh, let's talk some like- football. Um, first of all. Just reflect back on the season and how UAB is handling what I think could be certainly termed a disappointing season. Oh, there's no doubt it was disappointing. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, they've, um, I think there was a lot of learning and there's a lot of reflection going on that right now. I liked, I liked what the way that, that uh, Trent Dilfer ha- handled it right after the season. I mean, they spent three or four days where, where they, they, Got there at six o'clock in the morning. And they worked till about noon on just um, what happened and and what they need to do going forward. And then really did a deep, deep, deep dive into you know what they did. And you know then at, at about noon they they went into recruiting and you know and started handling that. But early on, early in the day, it was all about you know let's 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 take a really good look at this and uh, you know and saw some things. I'm sure I don't know. I don't have any details right now what all they saw, but, uh, you know, I saw some things that, um, that, that they could have done better, you know, and, and, and I, I just think it was a matter. I mean, it was one of those years that, that in transition wasn't handled. I mean, it wasn't handled well in transition. I mean, and, and I'm not saying how well they did things wrong. It just was one of those things where the transition got them. And, uh, and, and so, Moving forward, as long as they learn from it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. What grade would you give Trent Dilfer in year one? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think when you're four and eight, I would give him a D. I mean, and and I think there's some things they did well. I don't get me wrong, but but uh, you know, I'm a kind of a bottom line guy, you know. And, and four and eight is, is what they were, and they hadn't had a losing season since 2013, so. I mean, I would I would go D, and and you know I think he'd be fine with that. I mean, I think he'd be fine. He might give himself worse. I don't know, but uh, you know, I, I think there was a there was a lot of there's there was a there was a lot of learning going on for him. I think there were some things they they probably didn't handle as well, and some things they they handled okay. But I you know again, I'm bottom line. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say D. And. Is Mark Ingram, uh, who I like very, very much, and so does Matt, and I, I, I'm probably uh, sure that you do too. He's a really great yeah, guy. Absolutely. Is he under any pressure now? Uh, and is uh, is Dilfer under pressure heading into year two? Based on exactly what you just said, this was a winning program, a winning culture, and they go four and eight. Right. I don't think the pressure's there yet, just yet. I mean, other than, than maybe self-induced pressure. I, you know, I, I think that the, the one thing with Mark Ingram is it was a tough, it was a tough fall. I mean, there's no doubt it was a tough fall uh, for, for sports in general at, at UAB. And so that's, you know, that's certainly a, you know, not, not a, uh, you know, not a good reflection on, on, on him at that, at that point. And then, you know, and then with the basketball team, 
the men's basketball team is struggling a little bit right now. And, you know, so it's, it's a tough time right now, but I think it's just a growing time. I mean, you know, going into a new conference, uh, you know, just, just a lot of things are going on right now with that. And, and so I don't think there's any pressure on either of them other than what they put on themselves. You know, I think that, uh, you know, when you look at Trent Dilfer, I mean, I think you, you've got to come in and say, okay, well, if he struggles early, then that's just part of it, you know, and, and, and you just got to give him time to, 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 you know, get better. So pressure right now on him. I, I don't, I don't think there's any, anything on them right now. Steve Irvine, tell everybody where you are. And if you don't mind holding through a break, we can talk some more, but tell everybody how they can read your stuff. Yeah. MagicCityImpact.com, uh, cover all things UAB. Uh, it's, uh, well, membership driven. We did all the money goes toward the NIL program, toward it to the athletes in the NIL program, and just uh, like I said, we like I said before, we've had a great time doing just telling the UAB story. Great stuff, Steve. You'll be back with us, right? Absolutely. Good, good. Steve Irvine from Magic City Impact will be back with us in a moment. Boost Mobile is like Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A breezy afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 55. Turning colder tonight, clear with the low at 26. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 48. For Wednesday, the high, 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. It is indeed Big Noon Sports. Portions of this program are being brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. Our guest is Steve Irvine from Magic City Impact. Steve, just another question about UAB as we turn to the courts. I have been down there, as you well know, several games. And the one thing that pops out at me is just inconsistent. Um, is that the area they need to improve in most? Detail some others. Well, I, I mean, I think the inconsistency is a, a, has been a, a big factor in this thing. But I think what they need to do first is, is, is start playing some defense. I mean, I think it's all – everything pretty much – Andy Kennedy, you know, he, he, he's always had teams to score, but they it always starts on the defensive end. And – this is probably uh, this might be his worst defensive team. He's certainly his worst defensive team he's had at UAB, and 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 it's 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 weird because I I think there's some there's some good pieces defensively there, but they're just not playing together. I mean, they had five straight games where they gave up over eighty points uh, to the opponent, in, uh, eighty points or more to the opponent, and that's the first time it's happened in school history to have. Uh, they hadn't had four in a row, but they certainly, certainly hadn't had five. So they've got to, they've got to shore up the defensive end. I think one one thing that's hurt them early on, uh, you know, they 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 were so reliant on on Trey Jemison to to clean things up for the last three years, and and they don't have that this year. They don't have a guy that that really can clean things up when when you know when guys get beaten and and get to the rim, uh, and so. I think that's one thing they're trying to figure out how to play without uh, type thing. I think Jackson Lindeborg, you know, six nine JUCO guy is a pretty good shot blocker, but he's not Trey Jemison. He's not that kind of presence that they have there. So I think that's been a big part. And and honestly, they've been very inconsistent shooting the ball. And and that's 
has hurt them, and and uh, you know they don't have they don't have jelly to bail them out, you know, and and so I think all those things, you know, and when you look at it, uh, you know, on, they had nine newcomers, you know, nine new guys to to a roster, and, and the four that were coming coming back were all kind of changing roles too. So, you know, we looked at it on paper and for the season and said, man, there's a lot of talent here. This is going to be a really good team, but I don't think we factored in the fact that they have to learn to play together. And and so I, I think, um, you know, these next two games, they play Drake on, on Friday, which is two is 10 and one. And, uh, and then they play UNC Asheville next week. And if they can play well in those two games going into conference play, that'll, that'll be, that'll be big for them. Steve, uh, Alabama lost this weekend to uh, Creighton in Omaha, tough place, place to play. Uh, just your big picture thoughts on the the state of the Alabama basketball program and and NATO's. Well, you know, I, I think what you know they've lost some tough games here, and got, and now they got to jump right into Arizona on Wednesday. And and but I do think these last three games, the Purdue and and the Creighton and and whatever happens to Arizona, you know, they played tough in those first two, and I'm playing tough. You know, you don't you don't you you don't play just to play tough. You play to win a game, obviously. But I do think this stretch right here is, uh, including the Arizona game, is really going to help them going into conference play. And and yeah, it you know if you if you go zero and three in it, maybe it hurts your confidence a little bit. But I think I think that's over. I think that more more so, I think you get some confidence out of playing well. You know, in in, in those games. So I think in, the, in that sense. Um, I really like what he's done with his schedule uh, with with that, you know, and because, and, and again, I'm not a real big believer in, in um, you know, in a, in a conference like the SEC or the bigger conferences that you have to have this great sterling non-conference uh, record. You know, I mean, obviously in the smallest conferences you do, if you if you want to have any any chance of, of, you know, stealing some sort of bid. But I mean, as long as you get better and you play tough competition, which I think that they've obviously done this year, then that's that's what's important, you know, to me. And so I, you know, I kind of I kind of like where they're sitting, uh, you know, even though it would be nice to see them win one of these uh, one of these close games and find a way maybe to win, you know, win at you know beat Arizona out there, uh, which is going to be tough, you know, uh, you know their one loss is to Purdue, and so. Um, that's going to be tough, but but you know again, I think it's um, I like it. I like I like what he's done schedule wise. On the other side of the state, and unfortunately, rather quietly, although I think Bruce Pearl likes it that way, Auburn can <laughs> yeah, play Bruce, now. Bruce, Bruce Pearl wanted to be quiet. Okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you got me on that one. But I mean, they just destroyed USC. I listened to the game. By the way, Sonny Smith, former coach. And now Colorado is going to join us in about 20 minutes. So that's always entertaining. But, yeah, um, yeah. It's speaking of quiet. <laughs> Auburn's got some shooters and they play. And uh, I hate to say this about Bruce, but, man, he's coaching them up during games, which I don't think has been his mantra in the past. Yeah, no, I, I like where they are. I mean, I, you know, they, I like the fact that they can build around the big guy, you know, and, and that helps. And then they have some shooters around them and, and – you know, with Aiden Holloway too, and you know, such a great young player, and I mean, they just—they, you're right. I mean, it has been kind of a quiet, 
uh, they've, they've kind of quietly got to where they are, even though again it's hard to stay quiet with 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 Bruce Pearl, but but they have, and 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 I you know again I, same thing. I mean I like the way they're playing. I didn't get a chance to see the USC game the other day. I, I hate it, but I had some things I was doing, so I you know I plan on trying to go back and watch it and just just, just to see. But you know just what I read about it and just what you know looking at the box score and stuff that was. An impressive effort, you know, against uh, you know not a great team, but but certainly a good team, and and uh, so I again same with I like where they're at going into conference. Steve, uh, let's uh, switch over to uh, college football. Um, Alabama about ready to start things up again in uh, really amping up the preparation for Michigan in the Rose Bowl. You have any more thoughts on on this game and, and how you think Alabama matches up with the Wolverines? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to really kind of dive too deep into it, but but you know, I I, I do like you know I, I do like the way that Alabama has has grown over over, over the years, and 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 I also think this. I also think that that I think Alabama is in Michigan's head. And and I don't think Michigan is in Alabama's head. I mean, I, I think you know, I, I think until until something's proven, you know that 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 you know Alabama and Georgia aren't the two best teams in this thing. Do you prove it on the field? It's going to be in your head, and I, I think that's going to be an advantage to, to Alabama going into this. I think you know, I, I think I really think that that Alabama is going into this thing preparing to play, you know, the best they can. And Michigan's going in to prepare to play Alabama, you know, which I know that sounds weird and, you know, it's hard to kind of figure out what I mean, but, but I, I just think they're, they're kind of in their head, you know, uh, and again, until proven different. So, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just a, a quick follow up. Um, Bruce Feldman of The Athletic has this terrific terrific article out now where he interviewed a bunch of Big Ten coaches and basically asked them, how can Michigan beat Alabama? And the general consensus was that J.J. McCarthy not only has to play the best game of the season, but probably his life for Michigan yeah. to beat Alabama. So, I mean, so the Big Ten coaches who know Michigan – certainly are giving the edge to Alabama. But is McCarthy uh, uh, capable of playing the game of his life? No, I, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a question we don't know until, again, you get on the field, you know. And that's that's kind of what I mean. Right? That's perfect to what I mean is is Jay, uh, Jay Milrow doesn't have to play the best game of his life for Alabama to win this football game. He has to play well, and he has to be really good. But he doesn't have to play the best game of his life. I don't think anybody would say that. I think if you did the opposite and talked to, to you know SEC coaches, I don't think one of them would say, "Well, Milrow's got to play the game of his life." No, they, no, they say he's got to play well, and but you have to play the game of his life. So I think that is a that's a great you know that's a great article. That's a great point because uh, that's that's kind of where we're at with it. Steve, thank you for your time. Final question: What's Santa bringing you for Christmas? Man, I hope he's some sleep and relaxation, man, and, and uh, <laughs> a, a, a quiet house. This <laughs> house is yes. real quiet right now, so hopefully he brings some, some uh, peace and tranquility. How about that? Uh, hey, I like it, and I agree <laughs> on every single level. Thank you, Steve. God bless. I appreciate Merry it. Christmas. Uh, thank you, y'all. Thank you, Steve. All right.
All right, uh, let's take a break. Get to the top of the hour. As I just mentioned a minute ago, Sonny Smith will be joining us. Uh, and got several other topics to throw your way. It's kind of a lazy Monday in the sunshine. But, uh, we're going to continue rolling along. If you'd like to, hey, throw in a mascot or two if you want to call the phone at 205-342-9904 as we break for intermission. The Birmingham... Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. The NFL has suspended Steelers safety DeMonte Casey for the rest of the season for repeated violations of unnecessary roughness. And that suspension would include any potential playoff games for Pittsburgh. The latest instance came on Saturday when Casey hit defenseless Colts receiver Michael Pittman and was ejected. Speaking of Pittsburgh, Coach Mike Tomlin says Mason Rudolph will start a quarterback on Saturday against the Bengals. So two days before Christmas, Rudolph will make his first start in two years. Falcons coach Arthur Smith said he has not decided whether Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke will start a QB against the Colts on Sunday. And ESPN reports Vikings quarterback Nick Mullins is expected to start again this Sunday when they take on the Lions. And in the NBA, the Athletic reports the Warriors' Draymond Green has started counseling and is expected to be suspended for at least the next three weeks. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. It is big noon sports. It's Matt, Lars, Noah, Noah Haynes is at the controls. We appreciate all that as uh, I hope most of you are finishing up your Christmas shopping as opposed to me who starts this afternoon. All right, um, Lars, we've been talking about Julian saying a lot. 
And I read more reports, and there, you have done this, that are comparing him to a California like Bryce Young. And I've seen, I've watched his highlights. It's, it's pretty accurate at the high school level. You realize this past season, he threw 28 touchdowns and one interception. <laughs> That's just mind-boggling. But he's on campus. He's in uniform. He's working out with the bowl team. Now, he can't play, but he's really not even signed. He doesn't sign till Wednesday, right? <laughs> so yeah. he's out there working out with the Crimson Tide. Does he get a ring? How about that for a question? <laughs> well, I remember when uh, Jalen Hurts was an uh, early enrollee and he played a critical role because uh, even though he just stepped foot on campus, he uh, basically was on scout team and he played the role of Deshaun Watson. And this is when Alabama ended up beating uh, Clemson. Uh, and uh, did, did Jalen get a ring for that year? Uh, probably not. I don't know. But uh, I'm sure that they are going to have Julian saying, uh, you know, uh, involved just because, one, he's so talented. And two, um, you want to integrate him into the program as quickly as possible and, and make him feel like, you know, he's a, a valued member because we're talking about a kid who, um, at least I believe, will end up being the starter at Alabama in two years. And, um, and, and you know, I mean, will he kind of reprise what Jalen Hurts did? And will he play the role of J.J. McCarthy, right, for uh, as, uh, as Alabama prepares for Michigan? I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I do think that, that – that there will be a role of significance uh, for him basically from day one. Your thoughts? Yes, I uh, I think he will. No, I asked the question of you. I don't think they get rings. But they're there. They were working out yesterday. And Saiyan's not the only one. Some other highly touted recruits, Saiyan's quarterback, Zabian Brown, he is a uh, he's a DB corner, good coverage in man to man and zone. Um, he is from California. Caleb Odom, this guy I know about. He's from Carrollton, Georgia. Big time tight end. Everybody wanted him. Uh, Jeremiah Beeman, defensive lineman. Uh, he's from the state of Alabama. They say. He is a similar prospect to Chris Braswell. Okay. Man, is that high cotton. Um, Casey Poe, offensive guard. Um, he is said to be the number one interior offensive lineman in Texas. Well, that's pretty good. And also, Dre Kirkpatrick just doesn't seem like the son of an Alabama player. A national championship could be already in, enrolled in play. I, I swear, I swear He's the a big math. Time do, player. I swear the math doesn't add up on that one. <laughs> it's just like Drake uh, Patrick. I I covered him. You know, we, we we all did just like five minutes ago, and suddenly his son is at Alabama. Um, and he's uh, the one that Nick was showing the um, his Ferrari off to. 
I think he's the one that took the video too. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, uh, I I really like Dre. Uh, he, um, you know, went on to play for the Bengals, first round draft pick. Uh, had a had a decent uh, NFL career. I mean, uh, played well enough to earn a second huge contract after being drafted in the first round. Uh, my friends and I would always uh, kind of joke when uh, if, if Dre for the Bengals, he got he would get beat by like five yards, and uh, you know the the quarterback hits the receiver in stride, but then the the receiver drops the ball, and Dre is just like waving his arms, incomplete, incomplete, uh, <laughs> you know, just like celebrating as if he had just won the Super Bowl, like he when, was when, in glove when, coverage, when in, when in fact he just got toasted. It was. <laughs> uh, uh, we got a funny. kick out of that. That's a Kip Reuter special. It's an inside joke between Matt and I. But um, shout out to Kip. But um, it'll be. It's 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 great to have his his son on campus, and um, you know, uh, I think he, he. I think he'll play uh, uh, a role next year, and it's such a huge benefit to get on campus early and it's not just uh the football side of it it is acclimating to the adjustment of uh, of of college and being away from home for the first time you're making all the decisions for yourself the first time you get used to the alabama schedule you get used to the alabama expectations um and uh you know you just uh there's just that adjustment period and it's it's a profound one when you leave home especially someone for like julian saying you know coming from california to the deep south man just uh getting used to the uh the the cultural differences and just what it's just it's a it's a different way of life down here than it is in in cali and uh and in other parts of the country of course but so i almost think off the field is more important than on the field because once then you you roll into summer summer workouts you've kind of gotten that uh that 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 adjustment period out of the way i mean i remember going to college uh in you know leaving lincoln nebraska and going to this tiny town in, in minnesota and man for the first about three weeks i was so terribly homesick matt i, I just I, I didn't think i was gonna make it and um and then just suddenly it goes away it's like poof and I've seen that happen with a bunch of uh, uh, of, of my uh, former students, current students, that uh, once you you find your group of friends, you, you you figure out your routine, and then suddenly the the homesickness, which it can just be debilitating, um, sort of psychologically, uh, it, it goes away. Uh, and it, but your thoughts on the significance and importance of coming on the campus now as opposed to uh, after the uh, school year. Big difference. I mean, you just they're a leg up on anybody that's coming into the University of Alabama through transfer portal, whatever the case may be, recruit, whatever. But when they get into the spring, you know, they're kind of seasoned freshmen if, if there is such a... Uh, yeah, exactly. But I've got... Uh, 
I've just got open-ended questions that I don't know the answer because I'm just curious. And you and I are both reporters by nature, but can they accept NIL now? Can they accept NIL after they sign on Wednesday? I think the answer to that would be yes, but probably not now. Where do they stay? Do they open up Bryant, portions of Bryant Hall? I mean, you're looking at 11 that are there today and several that are expected to report this week when they finish with their obligations elsewhere. So, and I guess they all eat at Bryant Hall because they have just an unbelievable cafeteria there that is open during December and Christmas holidays. But, you know, those questions, do they get to go out? Do players take them out? Do they, I mean, what's open during Christmas break? <laughs> you know, I would hope yeah. it as free was, wouldn't you think? We could go down there right now. <laughs> Yeah, those are those are all really good questions. And um, I didn't expect you to answer a single one. Yeah. It was just uh, very, very open-ended. But you know what? Alabama's support staff is so thorough and uh, deep <laughs> that they'll be taken care of. They'll be taken care of. You know what surprised me when I was looking at this article? So we go to break. Sonny Smith is next. But what really surprised me is that they actually had video. There was a, a video camera was allowed at, at Alabama's practice field. Of course, they were doing nothing but, you know, drop backs. Really, they were stretching. But there was a camera out there. I don't know if Alabama decided to do that or I don't know. Maybe now that they're headed for a bowl and a playoff, maybe there's, you know, some kind of uh, rules that you have to follow. I know you do with coaches and some players. All right. Sonny Smith's going to crack us all up on the other side of this break. Sunbelt champion Troy meets Duke in the 76 Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd at Protective Stadium. Tickets are on sale now starting at just $30. The pregame festivities kick off December 22nd at the Bud Light Fan Fest pep rally at Uptown with live music, team pep rallies, and everything else you need to get in the game day spirit. This season, fill your holidays with good cheer. Get tickets and more information at BirminghamBowl.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A breezy afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 55. Turning colder tonight, clear with the low at 26. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 48. For Wednesday, the high 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. So, um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I went down to see my buddy who lives down in Panama City. And I left and started on my drive from Panama City to Birmingham, Alabama. And lo and behold... Just popped over there. It's Auburn, USC. And there's Sonny. <laughs> and uh, working the mic, working the crowd. I think at one time I heard you working the refs. It's just, <laughs> you must really, hey, Sonny, it's Matt. Merry Christmas to you and your family. How you doing, Matt? It's good to hear from you, my friend. You too. Life is very, very good here. You still love doing that, the broadcast? And I guess if you didn't, you wouldn't be doing it. 
Yeah, I think you answered it right there. I think uh, I think I would be staying home and watching games on television, and uh, and I, I I like to get in, go and be involved, and uh, uh, be around the team, getting to know them, letting them get to know me. And even at my age, I still get excited before a game, and sometimes even during a game. During a game, but it's uh, it's it's uh, it's my recreational type of thing. I, it's not a job for me. If it were, I, I wouldn't be doing it at my age. You saw um, Auburn beat USC on Sunday. You were there for the call, obviously. Yes. Um, Bronny James, the son of LeBron. Your impression of uh, of Bronny James? My impressions is I didn't know he was in the game until it was made aware of to, to me on a, a pass that he received. I did. He had not made any indication of of uh, something sensational or something bad. You know, he's just a, he was just one of the guys out there. And I started watching after I heard his name. He's very athletic. He's very quick. I don't know about whether he can shoot the ball or not because that didn't happen in this game. But uh, as far as that athleticism, he's got it. As far as a body built for basketball, he's got that also. And uh, this this uh, USC team, I, I don't know how things are out on the West Coast, but uh, if it, it is a team. If he's not starting on it, it's a pretty good team. I'll put it that way. And I think they'll do well when they get back home. If you were coaching him, how would you uh, just manage the expectations of being the son of uh, the the man who is sort of indisputably the right now the the best basketball player on the planet? Yeah, I think, and I've had a situation close to that. I think the best way is just treat him like you do the rest of them. You know, don't get so involved in taking care of the problem that's facing him and, and the uh, how, fr- how famous his dad is and, and all this, you know. I think uh, I think you treat him just like one of the rest of the players. Take care of his weaknesses, work on those, and, and take advantage of his, his pluses and stay away from making him some focal point of your practices and of your uh, off-the-court things. Coach, uh, I know you hadn't had a chance to see a lot of them, but uh, I know you've watched on television. Yes. Who nationally, who nationally, really, really impresses you? Up to this point, I've only seen uh, Duke. I've seen North Carolina. I've seen Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky has really impressed me. I think they're going to be good, and if they shoot the ball, they're going to be really good. Uh, I have not seen that many teams outside of the teams in the area. Uh, so for me to make an answer now would be a little bit more speculation than it would be knowledge of what the situation is. I do think that if this Southern Cal team uh, is an indicator of the teams out west, it's going to be a strong year out there. And uh, if this Auburn team is any indicator of uh, how good they can be, uh, it's going to be a good year in the, in the SEC too. Uh, you know, they were they were like I saw pick places around fifth, sixth, lower and higher. Uh, if they're a fifth place team, for instance, or a sixth place team, this league must be awfully good. So, but I, I I'm I'm going off television now and what I've seen so far by doing the Auburn games. Yeah, so um, 
in 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 watching the Auburn game on Sunday, I was reminded again just of what an incredible home court advantage Auburn has. And it is really one of the most electric environments, not just in the SEC, but in the country. What, what do you think accounts for that? The building, the way that the building was designed, uh, designed and the way that they put the students in the, on one side and closer to the floor. I, I think uh, I think the closeness of the fans to the arena, to the court, has made this a tremendous home court advantage. And the students bought in. And, uh, you know, students always buy into winning. And they always buy in and get, if they're getting good publicity. And Bruce Pearl get, does that uh, in getting publicity for his team. And this, and they're they're a team that's they're easy. Uh, I, I, you can see it in a lot of different ways. People enjoy the way the Auburn team plays. They give you a little bit of the up tempo, flying up and down the court. They at times give you an indicator of how good a half court team they could be. Uh, they change defenses. They 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 they'll play more man than anything else. And they will play a zone, and they'll show like a one-three-one, but they'll be playing something else. They do a little trickery, and uh, all those things are exciting to me to see the changes that take place on on Bruce Pearl's team, and to see the the, the tempo that they play always seems to create excitement, especially with the students. And when you got to sell out every night, you you must have a product in the hand, by the way. Can you just give us your assessment of uh, Auburn, uh, you know, early in the season, how they're doing, and, and what the ceiling is for this team? I think the ceiling, the depth is there. The experience is there. Uh, the athletes are there. I think uh, the ceiling will be how well they t- shoot the three ball getting into the league play. If they can t- knock down the three the three shot to open up that lane for the athletes that they got to get in there on the dribble, and if they they're they're like a six five everybody six five type team, and if they rebound as a team, I think they're going to be very very good this year. And a lot of that could say, are they going to shoot the ball that well? We'll we'll have to see because the defense we played against last night was a good defense. But we're going to see Goodman's all down the line when we get to league play. I heard you talking about this when I was listening to the broadcast. That um, big guy inside, um, Caldwell. Um, I think he flushed a couple in a row, and you were going crazy, and uh, so yeah. was Andy. But it was a big thing. But you you made the point that if he could really get an inside offensive presence, then oh, yeah. Auburn really does have a chance to do something special. They, Matt, you, uh, in my estimation, you hit it right on the head on what they have to do to be in the national uh, headlights, uh, headlines all the way down to the end of the year. If he becomes a present offensively in the post, it makes those players on the outside perimeter better. And it makes uh, it, it makes every, it makes other people posting up better because he can run to the rebound away from them and just just becoming an offensive present. He's already a defensive present. And if you watch him run the floor, he runs it faster even than the, than the smaller guys. He can fly up and down the court. Uh, he hits the board hard. He's 
He's very physical, and he plays clean. He's not a dirty player at all. I mean, he does the physicality without having knocked people all over the place. And he is also a very unselfish player. And the only, the only thing he's got to, to, to put, add to his repertoire, whatever you want to say, is can he turn into a score from 10 to 15 feet in? And if he does that, and now you say, well, maybe there aren't. Oh, in the Auburn offense, the ball is distributed very well. The ball only stops when Katie Johnson gets it. If you think about that, now it'll stop for him because his way of playing basketball is I got to look my man off and then dribble drive him. And the ball stays on his side. Otherwise, Auburn's got great ball movement. They move it well with the pass. They move it well with the dribble. They go inside out. And if they get a face-up basket score, and let's say uh, let's say we're talking uh, who could that be? Uh, if they get that, so they already got high post players that can play, and I think that's uh, that's the one thing that's going to make it a much better team. Hey, did you get a chance to hang out and talk to Charles Barkley? Well, I always every time he comes, we only talk for five minutes. I went after the game back to the back and talked to him. And uh, we, uh, he, he, a lot of times he comes by the the table to talk to us. But the students are so active in and you know engaging him quick as he does that. He kind of waits for us to come back. But he was there last night, and Chris Marks was there last night, and they attracted a lot of attention. I can tell you that. Man, Chris Morris. I mean, almost Dominique like, wasn't he? Oh. You know, we're playing. I talk. I talk. We're playing uh, somebody in the Big Ten. I mean, a really good basketball team. He comes over. He gets down towards the last shot. He comes over to me and he said, "Sonny, run that play where you throw it up in there and I dunk it." And I <laughs> said, "Chris, what's the name of that play?" He said, "Oh, you know, I don't know all the plays, but he just keep kidding around, you know." And it was five up. What we would do, we'd run him up towards the top, uh, the top of the foul line and then back screen for him with a little guy and run him to the goal. And uh, and we're, we're down to the last shot. I wish I could tell you the team. It was, it was one of the Big Ten teams, actually. And uh, uh, he says to me, run that place, Sonny, where you throw it up, Marinard Duncan. And we went back out there, and Johnny Lynn, a little guy we had from up in Tennessee, played in the point, backpicked him. He went to the goal, and he, like, tore the rim down. He looked over me and winked. And, I mean, that's the... <laughs> That, that was kind of the the Chris Morris that I had. And once once guys started leaving us, going pro, leaving early, or or, or graduating, he became the main player, the main focal uh, focus on the team, and uh, he handled that extremely well. You know, say so I used to say he he goes playing behind a Barkley, behind a person, uh, but he he took over the the. the part of being the, the number one guy and he handled it extremely well. Pressure didn't seem to bother him, so I knew he would be a good pro. Yeah, he was, man, that's back in the days when I was living in your backyard and I was down there all the time and watching him yeah. play. It oh, was yeah. spectacular. Hey, Sonny, tell everybody who's listening to Big Noon Sports what you did right before you came on the air with us. Well, what I did right before, right, right, right before, was fix my fix lunch for my wife, who's been ill for a number of years, and Matt, I've had to learn how to cook. <laughs> so, no, what I was, I was doing was fixing lunch for my wife. I don't you, know, 
huge, but that's, uh, that, that's something I used to never do, but I did it today. Will you give Jan a hug for me? I love her. Um, but I really wanted to let everybody know that you're still playing tennis. Yeah, I got to go play now. I know they're all all waiting on me. They, they, oh, they're God, all out there out hoping there. I don't come. Because <laughs> if, if, if one of them's my partner, he's sick already. Sonny, thanks. Go play tennis. I'll oh, my soon. pleasure. I'll call call me anytime, Matt. You know that. I appreciate it, Coach. Thank you, guys. All right. One of a kind. And, man, he takes care of Jan. Got to know both of them very, very well over the years. And I'm, I'm very, very, you know, I'm blessed. Hey, when we get back, Lars has got to come up with something. I All right, pressure's it. on. I got, got it. it. I got, got it. it. And, by the way, Sonny and his wife, it sounds like a great love story. I, I don't know the, the details of it, but uh, it, it's really, it's beautiful to see um, just what they have. Well, and it is genuine. You're listening to Big News Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. It's time to ring in the new year right. Bama, a winner over the Georgia Bulldogs, claiming the SEC title. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Look, Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. I'm down to the plane. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports. Matt, Lars, and Noah Haynes is at the controls. Lars, I'm going to turn it over to you, but I want to just insert this real quick. Because, you know, I watch the NFL. Man, my Packers just starting to slump again very depressed about it but you're a big Bengals guy folks know that but yesterday I sat down and watched Lamar Jackson for the Ravens I mean you want to talk about driving defensive coordinators crazy and my perspective literally golly he's fun to watch I mean he is he can do it man and I know I'm probably late to the party, but I just wanted to start out with that. Yeah, um, he is just, he's special. 
and you could make the argument that he is playing better now and actually it's kind of a different style of game than he than he was when he won the MVP award he's got so many weapons uh, uh, surrounding him now uh, wide receivers uh, it hurt that they lost their uh, excellent tight end but um, I, I would say the Ravens are the class of the AFC uh, right now and it's probably not even close um, so I wanted to dig deeper into this uh, Bruce Feldman story um, Bruce uh, writes for The Athletic and he has a piece that just came out in which uh, he uh, talked to Big Ten coaches about uh, the Michigan-Alabama game and uh, in sort of what he found out. And um, so the, the, the number one uh, theme is that the, the, all the coaches that Bruce talked to he said that Michigan absolutely has not been the same team since the NCAA investigation became public about the sign stealing. Just the, they're different. Um, and uh, this is what one Big Ten coach said, quote, it makes a huge difference to know when blitzes are coming. So when you pick it up, you can really attack it. After that investigation, they weren't always at the right place at the right time. The film doesn't lie. So, um, and, and Bruce, to uh, to uh, really elicit honest answers from these coaches, he granted them anonymity, which is something I often would do when I was writing uh, stories like this. I remember I wrote a cover story um, uh, for Sports Illustrated, uh, which some people in the state didn't really care for. It was uh, called How to Beat Alabama. And I talked to SEC coaches. <laughs> I did kind of the exact same thing Bruce did, you know, about eight years ago or so. Uh, and uh, it was amazing. Once you grant them, they will sing like canaries. <laughs> and, uh, and so um, another point, J.J. McCarthy, he just hasn't been playing as well. Uh, that as in, in the last sort of quarter of the season, as he did at the beginning of the season, the Alabama court, or sorry, excuse me, the Michigan quarterback, um, Michigan's offensive line, uh, clearly uh, they have been the best in the Big Ten the last two years. Uh, but look at what Indiana did to them. Indiana absolutely destroyed that offensive line. And, and Michigan, uh, uh, their, uh, their right guard, uh, Zach Zinner, really, really good player. He broke his leg in the Ohio State game. And uh, that has caused Michigan now to switch guys around to different uh, positions. That could be an issue. And uh, several of the Big Ten coaches said that they think Alabama will give Alabama's front <clears throat> defensive line is going to give Michigan real problems. But um, and uh, looking at at uh, the Michigan running backs, their uh, biggest star has been Blake Corum. Um, and he's uh, you know he's he's a solid running back. He's, he's really good, 
But as one Big Ten coach said to Bruce Feldman, I don't think he has the speed. And this is a quote, quote, I don't think he has the speed some SEC guys have, but I think he's gotten better. Uh, Michigan plays to his strengths. He can't take a 30-yard run and go 60. Uh, He's a one-cut guy, not a home run threat, but he's good in the red zone and good on on check down uh, screens. Um, And the other thing about Michigan, their weakest position group on their entire team is their uh, wide receivers. They just do not have an elite wide receiver. Indeed. Donovan Edwards is is, is pretty good, um, but he's a former five star. Uh, but um, I, I'm sorry, Edwards is a, is a running back. Uh, excuse me. He, he's he's like their big play home run hitter. Uh, but again, the Michigan's weakest group position group is uh, is wide receiver. And I think Alabama's corners, which is arguably the strength of Alabama's defense. I mean, look, Alabama's defense they is really have two All Americans back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, a freshman uh, of the year. Yes. So not arguably, inarguably. Okay. Um, so, and That's so, not and so, why I brought that up. Yeah. No, but no, you're exactly right, though. But so, what does that mean? That means that Alabama can go man to man and push those safeties up. And, and I, I think they may not have to, but it, I just don't think this is a good matchup for Michigan. And, and let me dig in just a little bit deeper, and I know this is a little long-winded here, but when was the last time Michigan faced a running quarterback? Hmm. Well, think you're not going to get many in the Big Ten. Ma- no, Max uh-huh. Dugan. Max Dugan. It's TCU. Yeah. He ran for 57. Uh, yards and and just absolutely destroyed them in in in, in a fifty one forty five shootout that that TCU won and you know they had just they haven't seen a guy like Jalen Milrow no one even close and now in this <laughs> I, after doing a lot of research and thinking about it. I don't understand how in the world Alabama is an underdog in this game. I mean, Michigan opened as a two-point favorite and and is down to one. But Jim Harbaugh, he's lost six consecutive bowl bowl games. Six. I did not know that. And, and, you know, he's lost uh, both of the last two uh, playoff semifinal games he's been in. That I remember. So he's lost six bowl games in a row. So what, what's going on here? Jim Harbaugh is not the kind of coach who adapts and changes. He's not like a Nick Saban. You know, Nick Saban, uh, that no. may be one of his, that may be Saban's hallmark skill, right? It's he not just a game and culture. Everything, everything. Yep. Michigan, the, the general consensus uh, among these big Big Ten coaches, that Michigan's going to have to play a clean game. They're going to have to play uh, nearly a perfect game. And what does a clean game mean? That means uh, no turnovers, few penalties, win special teams, win uh, field position, you know, doing those little things. 
Um, and Michigan just, they don't have superstars. They don't have guys like Alabama has in the secondary, <laughs> right? I mean, but Michigan's, they got a, a collection of really good college players. They have good chemistry. They think it's the, the world is against them. But they do not match up well against Alabama. That's the bottom line. And uh, again, this excellent story by Bruce Feldman uh, of The Athletic. I encourage everyone to check it out. Boy, these Big Ten coaches, they don't give Michigan much more than a snowball's chance and you know what to win this game. And I want to bring out another quote from this article. And I don't know this. I'm just reading the response and thinking that's got Ryan Day written all over it. I'll read you that, and then I'm going to tell you what Lars and I are going to be doing this weekend. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A breezy afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 55. Turning colder tonight, clear with the low at 26. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 48. For Wednesday, the high, 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Uh, Tomorrow morning at 8.15, Barry Switzer is going to be on with Wimp on our affiliate there in Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9. I don't know if you've ever heard these two get together and start talking. This is, what do you call it? Must watch, must, must listen to radio in the morning. Hey, next Saturday, I've made arrangements now, Lars. I have talked to the Birmingham Bowl. And we've got tickets. I got tickets for your yawns. So I wonder if you're up to the challenge. It's supposed to be 60 and partly sunny, mostly sunny. So uh, I think we need to go to the Birmingham Bowl. We need to we need to put on our our papa, grandpapa, and uh, papa shoes and head down there. Are you in? I'm in. Done. All right. I'm, I'm, uh, text, I'm texting my kid's mom right now. Cool. <laughs> hey. Uh, Hey, you can get tickets online right now for as low as $30. So just go to, by the way, 76 is the sponsor this year. It's the 76 Birmingham Bowl. I don't know. That that just sounds, that rolls well. But you can go to BirminghamBowl.com and get your tickets. Of course, it's Troy. I mean, that's great. You've got the Trojans coming to Birmingham. So there'll be a lot of hometown fans. And then you've got Duke. 
Uh, so it's going to be a fantastic game, fantastic day weather-wise, and you got to get to it. And who knows? You might run into Lars, Matt, in about one, two, three, and six kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, many of them. Uh, uh, my, you won't miss my kids because they are uh, as blonde as blonde gets. Well, you know, I've got two towhead myself. Um, Cole and Ella Grace are. That's right. Both very blonde. So uh, they they all. For, I mean, it, it, it's weird, but they. It looks like they could yeah. be related. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. But rest assured, they are not. Uh, <laughs> no, they are not. Hey, let's go to Digger. He's dialed in from the Bayou State. The Sportsman's Paradise, as I recall, it says on their license plate. Okay, he's calling from yeah. Louisiana. How you doing, Digger? All right, Matt. Hey, Lars, I want to talk to you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Beth, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, how did it feel getting plowed? Okay. Hey, like I said, it's not about the match. It's about the movement. It's about a way of life. It's a way of thinking, a way of approaching uh, volleyball and a way of supporting women's athletics, which Nebraska has done unlike any other team in the country. Hey, Digger. I was going to. You know what what Lars sounds like? He sounds like a fan of a team that just lost the national championship. Exactly. You can build a program with those gimmicky attendance records. I'll let you have that. But I need the trophy. (laughs) (laughs) Real quick, I wanted to let you know, I'm sorry, in Tampa they don't have tractors. They have street sweepers. Sorry to hear you got swept. (laughs) Let you go. (laughs) Hey, Digger. Don't be a stranger. What a fun call to wrap this show up on. Tigger, did I offend you at some point in my life? I'm not sure. It all started with Arch Manning months ago, but that's okay. I still like you, buddy. (laughs) Hey, I appreciate you, Tigger. Thank you so much. Boy, when he exits, it's stage right and he's gone. All right. Uh, I don't know if this is Ryan Day, that, that was but impressive. it really, yes, sorry. And the the tractors, the sweet street sweet, yeah, is tough that was, to that's say. a well thought out line. Uh, it, so, it sounds like most of the guy, most of the dudes on Twitter who attack me nonstop. <laughs> uh, all right, here's the quote that I think came directly from Ryan Day. That's Matt thinking. I don't know this for certain, in any stretch of the imagination. I think Alabama is way more talented, another Big Ten coach told Feldman. Michigan's offense is not dynamic enough at skill positions. Lars just said that, particularly wide receiver. Alabama's going to get heavy-handed with them. If Alabama can stop the run, Michigan has no chance. None. Yeah, and, and, the, and the, 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 this is why it's such a bad matchup for Michigan. Their weakest position group is going against Alabama's best position group, right? Wide receiver, VDBs. So what does that allow Alabama to do? Push those safeties, push those linebackers up to the line of scrimmage to do what? Shut down the run. I don't see Michigan scoring a lot of points in this game. I really don't. J.J. Uh, McCarthy, again, uh, some people have him as a, as a first-round draft pick at quarterback. Others don't. He's just going to have to play out of his mind. And I think Michigan is going to have to get uh, a lot of uh, 
a lot of favorable bounces, favorable calls, and 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 uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, limit the penalties. Uh, they're they're going to have to do everything they can, not necessarily to win the game, but not lose the game. And that's a that's a hard mindset. And plus, you know, uh, Steve Irvine mentioned this earlier. It feels like Alabama's already in Michigan's head because we all saw the video when Michigan found out that, lo and behold, they are playing Alabama, not a Florida State team that can't score a touchdown to save their lives with a backup quarterback. <laughs> so good luck, Michigan. It's it's and, uh, and, and again, it's utterly baffling to me why Michigan is a favorite. But there, there's got to be a reason right there, there has to be a reason that the the odds makers have set the line where it is um i'm, I'm have assuming you checked at, it recently i'm uh, trying to pull it up i right think now it's i think it was one, one and a half I, yeah it it was, i think it's one right now i think and i think by kickoff alabama will be probably a three-point favorite no but, kidding um I, I really do. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, once people uh, start analyzing and, and read more stories like the terrific piece that Bruce Feldman put out and and just the the growth of this Alabama team as best exemplified on an on a, on a, on a, on a, on a individual level by Jalen Milrow and how, you know, Milrow is playing at a very high level. And even in the SEC championship game, he didn't play a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. But man, he was the best player on the field to me, you know, and, and, and he's he is the reason that Alabama is where they are. And um, I just, uh, you know, the, the, again, I, I go back to the reaction that Michigan players had. It was a... You know, oh my God, <laughs> how did this happen? You know, they, they would rather play any, they'd rather play the, any of the other two teams than, than Alabama. And I think uh, everyone feels that way. And, um, I, I, and I, I try not to, you know me, like I'm a Nebraska person. I'm not from this state. I'm not from the South. I haven't lived here my whole life. I try to be very objective and clear-eyed, but this to me just it looks like a big-time Alabama win. But um, again, we still have a, a lot of time to to think about it and and talk about it and and assess all these individual matchups. But um, again, I think it's worth noting: Coach Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, zero and six in bowl games, last six bowl games. Lars. Quick question for you. The cameras were all set up in the Michigan locker room or their media room, football complex, whatever, when they announced that Alabama was going to be fourth. What? And it was like, oh, my, not them again. Um, What do you think the reaction would have been had it been Florida State? Do you think they would have openly cheered? Yeah. I do, too. It would have been... uh a uh a a uh an explosion of relief 
<laughs> guys would be jumping off of their chairs, high-fiving. Uh, and Instead, what did you get? Guys on their chairs, where did their hands go? Right up yeah. on their heads. <laughs> the surrender, yeah. what, what do they call that? The uh, <laughs> surrender cobra move or whatever? I don't know. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it just, it was not good. And just seeing that shows you the mentality of this team. What do you think, and you're more of a Vegas line spread over and under guy than I am. Had it been Florida State... How much would Michigan have been favored? Maybe 11, 12. Really? Double yeah. digits. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was thinking seven or eight. Huh. Well, all righty then. Don't forget, Wemp has Barry Switzer on at 8.15 in the morning on Tide 100.9. Get your tickets now to go to the Birmingham Bowl, the 76th Birmingham Bowl. All you got to do is type that in. You'll get a bunch of different... Uh, uh, ticket posts where you can buy the tickets. You can go directly through their website, though, at BirminghamBowl.com. Lars, it's been a very spirited Monday. I hope you have a great afternoon. And uh, as always, Noah, thank you. Get your Christmas shopping done if you haven't already. All right, Lars, I'm getting ready to go. I'm going to battle. I'm going out. I'm going to the yeah. store. God, Godspeed. Godspeed. Kids... They're not so hard to buy for. Adults, man, we'll see. Y'all, we'll be back in 22 hours. Planning a holiday party? 